0: Welcome back everyone to the Dungeon Master's block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Mitch. And I'm Dungeon Master Chris. And we are here today to bring you another episode of Divine Spotlight. Our third one, Chris. We're really excited to talk about some new gods Mm -hmm. today. Yep. Coming up, we're going to talk about Corellon Larathian. We're going to talk about Kislev and one special god that is a homebrew god of mine called Kwam. But before we start talking about those gods, we are going to, of course, do as we always do, Chris. We've got some five-star reviews to read out to you. And the first one is entitled D&D is Timeless, and it's by Farrow. Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, I'm 41 years old and have always had a love for d and I used to play M.E.R.P. in the late 80s, and I have always kept fond memories of role-playing, With my friends and great campaigns that we had. Your podcast has brought me back to that time in my life. And I found myself purchasing the 5th edition player's handbook. I have my first character in over 20 years and I feel like I've never quit playing. Now I just have to find a group that plays where I live. Baby steps.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just wanted to tell you both.
0: Thanks and keep up the awesome podcast. When he says
1: baby steps, I just think of uh, what about Bob? <laughs> what baby, about, steps, yeah. baby
0: steps. Baby steps. That's awesome. Thank you, Pharaoh. I'm so happy that our podcast is a reason that you were able to get back into the amazing world of Dungeons and Dragons. I,
1: I really want to get MERP because it's Middle Earth yeah. role playing. Like, I yeah. really want to get that, yeah. that game and try it out. Although <laughs> it was made in the 1980s, so I don't know if any are still around. So <laughs> I've heard that there isn't a lot of
0: material on it but yeah yeah but
1: as a huge token fan oh i, would I totally definitely would, be I totally would love to play it. Trying, i do yeah. if we ever want to try it i do have a lord of the rings guidebook from some rpg i don't Ooh. remember what it is we <laughs> might we might try it in the future maybe. But maybe. anyways next review is called it says it, it's entitled a great resource five stars by joe to the max it says i have really enjoyed everything i've gotten out of this podcast they work hard to present some great ideas to help your game or at least rethink the way you already do it. Each of the segments are entertaining and really just fun. Overall, the passion each host has for this game is what makes this great, and that is why it is a must. When I hear folks talking about something that I love just as much as they do, it makes the moment even better. Keep up the great work, guys, and continue to rise. Exclamation point. (laughs) Thank you, Joe, to the max. We We really appreciate it. We do
0: love this game so much. So much. (laughs) Our next one is entitled Great Inspiration. It's from Drekrock. I'm a fledgling DM and I'm currently creating my game world and I've been pulling a lot of inspiration from your story times and all of your world building episodes. I'm slowly making my way through the backlog of episodes after I learned of the DM's blog from a random Twitter follow. Thanks to the follow for introducing me to the wonderful podcast, Drek Rock. <laughs>
1: You're welcome. You are very welcome. That's um, why we that followed a to, lot of people glad randomly. Glad that you were
0: able to find us. All right, Chris, before we head to story time, we have a special announcement that we want to let all of our listeners
1: know. You may have heard of the RPG Academy before. They're a podcast. We've had two of their people that have been on before. We've had Michael and Caleb from there on our podcast in the past. They have asked us to be a part of ArcadeCon 2015, Into the Wilds. Uh, It's going to be hosted in Ohio at a place called the Houston Lodge. They are going to start putting badges on sale, which will be your way of of getting in. yep. Yep, they're starting a Kickstarter on September 6th. And so if you would like to actually meet us in person and you'd like to meet some of the people from the RPG Academy... We'll be out there. I believe we'll be doing some DMing out there while we're there. We'll be yeah. hanging out with you guys. We'll just be doing a lot of fun stuff while we're there. I would
0: love for some of our listeners to DM for us. That, that would, would be fun. cool. That
1: <laughs> would be a lot of fun. Uh, so they do have limitations. There's there's only 150 tickets available due to the limits of the, the size of the uh, convention center that, that we'll be in. Uh, so we'll be there on that Saturday. So that would be November 14th. If you want to come and check us out we'll be there november 14th all day traveling down there to hang out with you guys and some of the rpg academy folks as well so head on over to their website you can find out more at the rpg academy.com arcadecon yeah you should not go just for that saturday you should go for
0: all three days that it's on right. but definitely for that saturday right. <laughs> yeah because we will be there and we want to meet you guys so head out and buy those tickets when they come up get those badges. There are, like Chris said, only a limited amount. If you are in Ohio, you should definitely be there. If you are in a surrounding state like we are in Michigan, you should definitely be there. If you are on the East Coast or the West Coast all the way in California, you, well, we'll understand if you're not there, but you should (laughs) be there. (laughs) So head on over to that Kickstarter once it's all, all set up and get some badges. All right, Chris. With that, let's head to story time. Story time. The time during the episode where we talk about what happened last week during our campaigns. Our favorite moments where we learned about ourselves and what we learned about each other.
1: Please join us now as we enjoy Storytelling. So for this edition of this story time, we will be talking about the Cave of the Voiceless. And this is about the third time that we've been going through this. And you guys have finally... You think that you have come to the conclusion of this cave. If it's not, we're probably in more trouble. Yeah, if it's not, <laughs> you're probably in a little bit more trouble. So you guys last time you you were walking through, you went through this crazy teleportation trap and some hilarity ensued trying to find everybody again yep, and fought some uh, dragons, fought some dragon spawn. finally a piece of cake. Piece of cake. <laughs> with good teamwork with good good teamwork and and having two trolls with you as well that kind of helped so and then as soon as we were like oh that was easy that wasn't
0: so bad you told us that we heard more dragon spawn
1: a lot of them a lot coming from down the hallway and we left off for the (laughs) night there yes So you guys were left to wonder for like two weeks or however long it was in between it was it was probably a couple weeks i don't remember exactly how long it was but you guys were left to wonder what in the world is down that hallway. Are we going to die? Like, What is going to happen to us? So we came back, and you guys had to decide what in the world you wanted to do. Yeah. You had you four <laughs> and two trolls, out. but it sounds like there's a lot of these things down the hallway. And so, so
0: you- we figured the best course of action would probably be if we could— See what was going on before right. just running into a room. Crazy. Getting some sort of intel on what's going yeah. on here. Rob's initial thought is run into the room, swords, swords blazing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, throw a couple fireballs. And... But then if he, he has a second to think about it, his
1: wizard side kicks in and yeah. he
0: thinks, that's not the smart decision. Yeah. Don't always Corob's go with kind with your
1: of gun. A barbarian first. Yeah. Because that was his first level he took. Yeah. Wizard second. Yeah. Even oh, though he yeah. has way more <laughs> <Level> <laughs> <and> wizard. Way <laughs> more wizard levels. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but at his core, he is barbaric yeah. and yeah. barbarian. Basically what happened is I decided I'm going to use invisibility on myself, go down, see what's going on. So I did that. Went down... And I see this giant cavern area, this carved out cavern in this cave. There are tons of dragon spawn moving through tunnels in the wall so it's not like I can even count them because they're popping in and out. out. They're flying out of this hole in the ceiling like the the ceiling of the cavern there's this huge hole. They're flying in this hole and then to top it off I see this pretty beautiful young woman dressed in white you described her and I immediately started laughing. I'm (laughs) like the queen of Narnia Narnia. (laughs) It's the white witch There's no stone statues around (laughs) anywhere. You are. And right. then I then once I went back and told the group, Caleb, who who plays Ernie, was just like Daenerys Targaryen yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with dragons. Anyway, so I saw this and immediately as a player and Karab as well, because he's smarter than I am, was basically just like, that's a dragon transformed mm-hmm. dragon. Probably a white dragon since she seems to She's favor that white, white dress
1: in an nice place in a very cold country. Yeah.
0: So I start like thinking, like, what am I going to do? I head back and form the other guys. We're just like, Ugh, like, there's so many. We will die. Probably if we go in, we started saying, well, should we head back? Should we ask for help? And we were like, well, we've caused too much of a ruckus in this place already. If we go back, they definitely are going to figure it out that we were here and. Which means one of two things: we get back and they've amassed even bigger of a force to fight us, or two, which is even probably worse: we get back
1: and they're not there, right. and we lost our opportunity. Yeah, you were caught in a really awkward situation. Yeah,
0: and unlike many situations, as a player, I couldn't tell from you, the DM, which is good. Which was the better option? Right. Like you weren't trying. I would have let you done either, either way. Which was nice. It, it felt like we really had a complete choice in it. And we decided that it would be worse to leave, that it would be the better option to go and fight. But at the same time, we were like, a straight on fight is going to end in our death, yeah. possibly. So what ended up happening was something that I really like. I've had a lot of good Karab moments. You have had in this a lot game. of good Karab moments, yeah. And so one of my favorite things about Karab and one of my least favorite things about Karab is is that Karab is amazing in a planned fight and terrible in a surprised fight. Like, if I get surprised as Karab, surprise round, it's just like, Karab is not that good. Hey,
1: you have a 10 AC.
0: You're now screwed. (laughs) Because he's all about, like, pumping himself up with spells and then going into battle. So if he gets surprised, it takes me a long time before I can get useful so I just run in and hit stuff. Yeah. But this was an occasion where I had the upper hand. Yep. So I decided I'm still invisible. I'm talking to the guys, I'm like, "All right, I have a couple seconds, a couple minutes left on invisibility." So I cast fly, a newly uh, newly acquired spell. I cast enlarge, I cast like bull strength, blah blah blah, all these
1: spells Keen do, Edge. Edge, yeah. like haste, all that all stuff. All these crazy yeah.
0: things. And so as an invisible flying wizard barbarian. I flew into the room, flew out the ceiling. I told the guys, wait for my signal. I don't remember if we can't They were the like, signal. is there a signal? You're like, no, I'll just know what you'll know that <laughs> you'll signal. know. You'll man. know the signal. And I flew out and I fly out of this cavern through the hole in the roof area and I ask you, I'm looking for large stones that look like they're not so secure of the mountain. You told me go here, and I immediately started attacking it and caused an avalanche. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, yeah, I don't have the outside of this mountain described <laughs> yeah. like on my notes, but sure, there's something around. So to my do it.
0: plan was bury as many of these dragon spawn as I can, so that our battle is possibly winnable and so i caused an avalanche and then there was this hilarious moment of okay now i want to beat the avalanche back in <laughs> and we had this like long not not argument like fighting with each other, each other but discussion of like can i beat this with yeah. flying back in and like we were like you were like i don't know if you're going to be able to beat this falling avalanche just yeah. going quick and we argued for a while, and then finally I was just like, oh, wait, I also cast yeah, haste yeah, on myself, yeah. so I'm even faster than this. And I told you yeah. the amount of, that I could fly
1: at, and you're like, oh, my gosh, okay, you're yeah. fine. I had this moment where I just pictured Krab being, like, like just floating there, hands on his hips, just, like, admiring the work hmm. he had done. Just like, <laughs> look at that. Oh, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, Krab is way smarter than I am. Yeah. Well, it was like you had used that wizard way side way more ra- brash, like yeah. he just goes and... Yeah, you had used right that wizard side of him well, and yet there were still those little moments where it was like barbarian sticking through like <laughs> oh shoot, I didn't think about how I was going to get back in. Well, I've never
0: heard of a wizard doing what I did in this right. <laughs> right. D- but anyway, so I I take down this I take this avalanche, I fly ahead of the avalanche, I fly into the cave. The avalanche comes down behind me, covers a ton of dragon spawn. I land, and I think we said like I land like Superman in the yeah. in the Superman <laughs> down the into Superman the ground, movie, yeah. which I hate, but I land like yeah. Superman because yeah. that's a cool way to land. I cr- I <laughs> break the ground underneath me, and then at that moment, of course, my friends are just like they know it's time. I just imagine them like sitting.
1: There, was that the sign? <laughs> yeah. Is that when <laughs> what, we're supposed to go?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we just make a beeline for what we know has got to be a white dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a huge battle occurs. A couple dragon spawn keep on popping in, popping out. We're chopping through them. A couple of us, me included, are just like, we got to
1: get to that dragon yeah, before cause you she guys, transforms You guys were starting to take some damage from those dragon spawn. The yeah. trolls were starting to take some damage because yeah. they had the acid and the fire ones. Yep. Just by where they were lined up right at them. <laughs> this whole just-
0: time we are like, these trolls are walking out of here dead we know yeah yeah. we ran into battle and we are fighting this woman in her dragon spawn and we're like she's not using very powerful magic right she's not transforming what's going on and then the doubt started coming is she really a dragon Mm -hmm. if she is why wouldn't she just turn into a dragon and Breath attack us. Yeah. Like, we would be you'd be toast. so messed up. At yeah. this, well, we wouldn't be toasted. If we well, that's dragon. true. You'd be frozen toast. <laughs> frozen toast. <laughs> so we're like, mm, I don't know anymore. And so all of a sudden, we're right up next door, and we kind of make the finishing move.
1: Story wise, we didn't kill her, we pretty much brought her to her knees. So you guys get really close to her, you start hitting her a little bit, and then she just all of a sudden she passes out. Yeah. She completely just yeah, like we just falls on out. the ground, She's just passes dead, out, right? So you guys but right before she passed out, you hear this noise that's just kind of like this ominous voice that basically, you know No idea where it's coming no from No idea where but. it's coming from. You just hear indraconic, you hear this voice that says, Leave her, we're through with her, come to me. Yep. And so all of a sudden, you see all the dragon spawn that you're fighting, and all these other dragon spawn just either crawl or fly out of the tunnel, and they start heading out. So you and uh, I think Ernie it was Ernie, would right? Cast fly yeah, too. yep. We yeah, flew, you guys up. flew up. We're like, I don't know where
0: they're going, and we kind of have the idea of they're probably going way too far for yeah. us to, with our amount of flying time. Yeah, you had to like follow, seven minutes or something. But let's like that. see what direction they're going in. We spotted the direction they were going in, so we took note of that. And flew back down to deal with this now unconscious woman, dragon who
1: can't transform, right. we're not sure. Right. So you guys ended up picking her up. I don't remember who threw her over her shoulder. I think one of the trolls picked her up and yep. was carrying her or something like that. And all of a sudden, I think it was Martin saw this like line of red blood coming down her arm. Which answers the question for us. Because in your world, yep. like we
0: found it in previous story times, dragons don't. Visibly bleed. They don't
1: bleed. So she's bleeding. So we're like,
0: all right, guess she's not a dragon. Yeah, I guess she's not
1: a dragon. So you guys like lay her down and you pull up her sleeve and you see this bracelet which we've seen before. Which you've seen before. And I looked at you and I was like, you've seen this before. You've seen this before. Yeah.
0: Okay, so immediately Krab is like, bracelet. She's bleeding. It's coming from this bracelet. Yeah. Magic. I sense magic on it. And I pull out my axe and i'm just like <laughs> i cleave her arm off it was like wait 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 hold on yeah i was like wait you've a minute you've seen this before and you start explaining you're like you've seen this before you saw this in the pet and then all of a sudden you're just like oh no
1: <laughs> you haven't seen this before you were
0: bran and bran died and now you're crop crop has no idea and i just look at you and i smile i'm like i, I Karab cleaves it because up. Karab was probably like, thinking yeah, Karab yeah cleaves it off. Karab is
1: probably thinking this thing's killing her yes. or something like that something um and so we ended up figuring it out like i just said i don't remember who had this thing i mean it was like one of the very first nights that you guys found this bracelet in uh your hometown and so i said caleb you have one you pull it out the difference between the two is caleb's has a red eye on the dragon The other one doesn't, and it has the blood running from that eye. And so you guys don't exactly know what is going on with this thing, but one looks different than the other, but they look the same. And so you just are like, you just cut her arm off.
0: Krab figured that this was like a a mechanism the dragons had, whether she was like on their side or she was forced to be on their side, like if it was willingly or forcibly, Mm -hmm. that this was a way that the dragons in charge could magically if one of their important slaves got captured make sure that they don't talk yeah and so i'm like whether she's good whether she's bad i'm cutting this all right off.
1: right that's all i did and so she wakes up <laughs> screaming bloody bad. murder she's like Rob she's in shock like, right? you're welcome so and then i think <laughs> I ernie i think ernie ended up healing her or something like that so you see it just kind of form into a nub and then <laughs> One of the trolls, like, picks it up and tries to, like, shove it back on. Like, why isn't it regenerating? Because <laughs> they, regenerate. Like, they, don't they regenerate. Their arm could fall off. They stick it back Dumb on. Trolls. It grows back on. So they didn't get why she wasn't regenerating. <laughs> and so she went on to explain, like, sh- the last thing that she remembers. She remembers being in this town of Lolasa being, like, the first person. If, if anybody was going to come and talk to the queen of this city, they had to go through her, kind of as almost like a first line of defense. Yep. Um, she remembers the last person that she saw – was this old woman who came in who you guys immediately were yeah. like, This that's is probably Evanor. That's Evanor. Right? That's Evanor. <laughs> the one that we met at the beginning, caused all a sorts of havoc. Right. She's back. Right. Yeah. It's been a while since you guys have heard yeah. anything about her, but she's back now. You don't know where she is now, but she's still up to no good. So you were like, Okay, we should probably get back to that city. And that was the city that you guys had to meet to get back on the ship to go back to Milner in the south part of the world. So we didn't really do a whole lot. After all nope. of this, you guys kind of parted ways with the we, trolls. We,
0: we questioned her some more. Her name was Robin, and we arrived at the conclusion that she was good. She was forcibly didn't didn't even remember being under control of the dragon, and so we decided to have her help us find Lilasa and take it from there. This night we were feeling very goofy for some reason. It's probably like us. nine o'clock <laughs> that this all yeah. happened by. Yeah. And so normally we would have a lot more story to tell, like oh, like this happened after and this. Well, this night was pretty much the rest of the night was random encounters because we were all really in a weird, goofy mood. Mm-hmm. And even me, who loves role playing, was just like, you know, you know, Chris, I kind of just need some yeah. battles to like yeah. focus me in. And uh, it was a weird night, but we had a great time playing random encounters. And you kind of were able to, like, introduce some new monsters, some new monsters that were from this, this land world. That I so you to, were like, yeah. cool, whatever. Let's have fun with these random encounters. Yeah. I know that some people say that you should never have an encounter unless it's something to do with the story. And to that person, I say, I understand where you're coming from, except we had a great time yeah. <laughs> doing random encounters. One battle that
1: I remember. In our mood, it was just so perfect. Yeah, you guys fought those dire snow tigers. Yeah. And... You ended up in the jaws of it, didn't yeah. you? And, the, and you tried yeah, to, like, cast a spell. Died. There was, like... I was like, there's two of them. You guys should be able to take these things out. You'll be okay. Somebody... I think Ernie ended up going down. Like, he was the first one that got attacked. Just ripped to shreds, like, on the ground, bleeding out. You got in the mouth of one. And you tried to cast a spell, and some spell failure happened, and like all of a sudden you're being shaken around, and these yep. like gems just start flying out oh yeah, of your fantastic. of your guy. <laughs> so you guys made, a, you guys will probably make a little we bit of money so out of money that. Of uh, that so failure. it was just, it was fun to be able to throw yeah. a couple of those creatures in. It was a good goofy
0: in. time for mm-hmm. the rest of the night. We had, yeah. and we had covered a good. Piece of the story and had a great, awesome battle. So, yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, so we'll have to figure out where these dragons went, these dragon spawn went, what was going on, who that mysterious voice is, what is Evanor up to in a future story time. With that, let's head to the meat.
2: I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days.
0: Why can't we have some meat?
2: Carving that no. Looks like Back on the menu, boys.
0: Alright, so for today on the meat, we are going to be talking about the gods Karellon, Kislev, and Quam. So, first of all, we're gonna talk about Karellon. Karellon Larathian is a god that's most well known from the Forgotten Realms. He has been present in the game of Dungeons and Dragons. All the way from the first edition of Dungeons & Dragons to the present. He's still a very prevalent god in the game. It's been around a long time. His titles include Creator of the Elves, The Protector, First of the Seldurine, Protector and Preserver of Life, Ruler of
1: All Elves, and the Coronel of Arvindor. He is of the power greater. His alignment is chaotic good. His portfolio is the elven race, magic, music, Arts, crafts, warfare, poetry. All those things can be associated with Corellon. His domains include chaos, good,
0: protection, war, arcana, skill, and wilderness.
1: As far as anybody that's a superior to him, there are none. He is the superior. He is the superior. In the elven if you don't have a superior, that probably means you <laughs> are a superior. So just a little bit
0: of description and, and the history of this god. Uh, Corellon is the leader of the elven pantheon, like we just said. He appears as a handsome elf with long sun-colored hair. He wears a white and sky-blue tunic and a long flowing cape. He carries with him Sahandrian, his glowing longsword. Corellon is known as the father of all elves, and there are different myths on how he brought about the elven race so the first one is that he and sehanine moonbow gave birth to the elven race together the other one which is a little bit weirder (laughs) is that krellon transformed himself into his female aspect and then thus gave birth to the elven race that way so interesting <laughs> I like the first one <laughs> yeah the
1: second one makes me ask way too many questions that yeah. I don't think is he
0: like a amoeba that he just like <laughs> yeah too many questions there yeah uh, but they're
1: gods so I they guess they can do biology, whatever they want yeah they can do whatever they yeah, want anatomy doesn't is have to its make own sense. thing with the gods yeah. I assume <laughs> and since they're all powerful they could probably just zap it into existence exactly and we'll exactly. go with that yeah. that's did he that's, did,
0: did he really give birth or he, does it just he mean he that with he changed into the them.
1: motherly form and then decided to be more nurturing that he would yeah. do it that way. Because we'll the idea that. of... <laughs> yeah, we're moving past it. All right. <laughs> uh, Maybe we'll have a whole episode about how this no, happened. <laughs> no, no, no.
0: <laughs> so uh, there's, there's another person that... Another god that Krellon is tied closely to. There's actually a couple, but the one that I even knew just from the artwork that I've seen of Krellon uh, since I first started playing Dungeons & Dragons is Brumsh One-Eye the god of the orcs yeah he is the greatest of enemies towards krellon they both hate each other and they've been in battle since ancient times in one particular battle if you know anything about grumsh you know that he has only one eye uh, which is funny this is a total side note but i don't remember what D&D book it is, but it has a picture of Grumsh, the one-eyed, and he's a cyclops. Yeah, he looks like a cyclops. And I'm like, yeah. he's not a cyclops. Yeah. He's an orc that has an eye cut out. Yep. And that and it makes me so mad. More mad than I should be about a pretend <laughs> orc deity. But <laughs> So, Corellon is the reason that Grumsh is Grumsh the one-eyed one, because in an ancient battle, Corellon used his longsword and cut Grumsh's eye out. So, a little bit of deity history there for you. So, the entire orc pantheon, because of this, hates Krellon intensely, and Krellon also opposes the deities of the orcs and also of the goblinoids. Another relationship that's interesting with Krellon that's good to note is that he was the one to banish the drow goddess Loth in the Forgotten Realms setting to the Abyss. And because of the evils of Loth, he counts all evil drow gods as also great enemies
1: to elvinkine. As cool as Loth is, she definitely needs to be banished <laughs> because oh, yeah. she's freaking, she's nuts, she's, terrible. she's crazy,
0: <laughs> as are all of her followers. Yeah, that's
1: very true too. Yeah, from I mean, I've read I've read books from the Greyhawk setting, and in the Greyhawk setting, she's crazy enough yeah. even when she's trying to like come back from being banished yeah. there. And her followers are absolutely crazy. Yeah, that's
0: uh, that's a good point because if you if you are interested in this is we're talking about Corella. but if you're interested in Loth, you can go and read the Homeland books of uh, the the Dark Elf trilogy, which is with Dritz Stewardin, and gives a lot of insight into the Drow society and uh, a lot of insight into Loth's followers. So. Yeah. Total, total tangent from Krellon, yeah. but <laughs> we're talking about elves, so it makes sense, right? So the dogma, as far as Krellon is concerned, is the elves are sculptors and wardens of magic's endless mysteries. Bring forth the beauty that envelops and let the spirit gamble unfettered. Seek out new experiences and new ways. Ward against those who would destroy what they cannot create. Commune with the natural and mystical world. Be ever vigilant against the return of the banished darkness and be strong in heart against the corruption of the Spider Queen. So even his dogma (laughs) speaks out against the banishment of the drow and of Loth. So, yes, huge enemies there. Krullin is worshipped by elves, eladrin, and the descendants of the same as well as many bards. Because he has a very high focus on the arts, so that would make a lot of sense. And for those who worship him, his clergy, they wear silver circlets and gossamer robes with the brightest azure. There are some interesting orders that have to do with Krellon and his worshippers. The first is known as the Fellowship of the Forgotten Flower. And the Fellowship of the Forgotten Flower is a loosely structured organization made of elven knights dedicated to the recovery of lost elven relics from the long-abandoned elven realms members must be elven warriors or
1: elven paladins. This is where you'll find Nicholas Cage right. in your in your <laughs> yeah. world. It's going Nash to find lost <laughs> forgotten <laughs> treasures.
0: Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to find the declaration of elven <laughs> elven know. independence. Yeah. <laughs> I liked this group so much that I took them and put them into my world of autos, but of course I basically just did a couple changes and one of those changes was I just took the name and I made them called the order of kore, which kore is
1: the big moon in my world so it also depends on what point in time you are in your world because in some parts exactly. the elves are all dead that's very true because of the elven plague <laughs> yep
0: i think that's a good example of how you can take things like this if you are having a homebrew world and if you're whether you're using a god or just taking aspects of that god i took the god carolan and i did some changes in my world and part of that changes that i i took the fellowship of forgotten flowers did a little bit of tweaking gave it a different name and just took great inspiration from that so that's just a a good example of that right there another group is called the seekers of the misty isle and the seekers, these ones these ones sound fun to me yeah the seekers of the misty isle are an elite order of elves dedicated to finding the misty isle so in legend the misty isle is a holy city of the elves that was hidden by grumsh and kurtlmic as the story goes as the legend goes, the elf god Krellon shot an arrow from his blessed bow and famously took out the eye of the orcish god Grumsh. So I was wrong before. It wasn't his long sword. The reason I think that is because there's this famous there's picture a lot of, pictures, of Krellon yeah. cutting out the eye of Grumsh with his long sword. So I was wrong thanks to the artists of Dungeons and Dragons. You all It was suck. a bow. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, so he sh- he shot the eye of Grumsh out with his blessed bow and because of Grumsh losing his eye he was angered and thus he used his powers to hide to whisk away the isle that the holy city was on and to this day the elves especially those who are in the seekers of the misty isle they go and they try and find this holy city the temples to Krellon are kind of interesting. They're very elf-like, as you would imagine. In large elven cities, temples to Krellon may be alabaster wonders with soaring spires. So they're like just these, I imagine, Absolutely they're these immaculate, huge, like cathedrals. And as I would imagine with like elven buildings they have to be just gorgeous oh yeah i imagine like a a rivendell-esque yeah that's that's what i was thinking in my mind only like amped up to like be a temple yeah like 10 times
1: the size of a regular building exactly yeah
0: in smaller communities they may be built along the branches of large trees so in smaller communities they might be like more humble in, in a I sense. almost
1: I almost like elven cities in the trees more than I like elven cities on the ground yeah. I just think that's, it has a much cooler concept to it yeah
0: I don't know I kind of li- that's why I kind of like that there are different versions of elves they have yeah. wood elves high elves things that's like true that. and I like those different takes on the high elves have more of a like city feel. The wood elves are much more chaotic, and they yeah they live in those trees. Mm-hmm. And you see that in Lord of the Rings with the Rivendell elves and the elves of Lothlorien. They're just very different, and their cities are different. Both cities look sweet. Though. Yeah, they both do cities really look awesome. Look cool.
1: Because then you have the Merkwood elves that yeah. look even more different yeah, than the Lothlorien they, ones. Mirkwood
0: elves are definitely those wood elves yeah. in D anD D. The yeah. chaotic like. Not, not quite as welcoming. Yeah, right. right. too. So most temples that are built to Corellon are happy to lend aid to traveling elves and any other race that plans to do harm to the Drow. Yes. (laughs) So how do you get on the good side of Corellon? Worshipping
1: elves? Just say you hate the
0: Drow. Yeah. (laughs) Why didn't anybody tell Bilbo and his dwarf friends that? Like all they had to say is we hate Drow. Yeah. Right. Are oh, there even, yeah. are, there, there even, are no yeah, I was just saying Are there even drows in Middle Earth? I don't <laughs> think so. So if you look at the symbol of Krellon, it is in certain versions of D&D. It always has to do with either a star or a crescent moon, and that's because Krellon is tied closely with his holy days to the phases of the moon and when the moon is high in the sky and such. I've taken that in my world and yeah, I have two moons in my world, and so it It also has to do with when both moons are up or whatnot. And so in Forgotten Realms, once a month, when Luna is at its quarter phase, followers of Krellon gather in moonlit glades for a ceremony known as Latakor, the forest commune of the crescent moon. There they praise their creator through song and dance and offerings of beautiful art. The art is not destroyed. Sometimes it is physically transferred, though, to the upper plains for elves to enjoy in the afterlife. That's kind of cool. Actually that's actually kind of cool. Sweet. Yeah. I imagine, okay, what I'm imagining right now is if you've seen it, it's an amazing movie, Road to El Dorado, where they're like throwing the gold oh, into, the huge, into the huge whirlpool. whirlpool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That's what I imagine. Only I imagine the elves probably like open this window in the air or something or, you know, however it is that they have this artwork as said, but that's really sweet.
1: Yeah. I wonder what that, I wonder if there's a, I don't. I doubt there's anything written about what that actually looks like, but that's pretty cool. Like you could do a lot of homebrewing with that for the elves of your own world. Yeah, That'd be pretty neat.
0: Imagine like being
1: an elf in the afterlife
0: and just like this, like picture appears. It's just like, like super we have chaotic. Way better art up here, dude. This yeah. is like a. Everybody, everybody
1: up there in the in the upper planes is like, stop! What the heck this is junk? And it's like everybody in the lower planes is like, wow, this is really nice. We're sending all this nice stuff. And it's like people get these things and they're just like flying out from random open <laughs> plane doors. Right. So they're like, Argh! just like ducking out of the way in the upper oh, planes.
0: There's a little miscommunication.
1: It gets yeah. sent to the abyss. <laughs> right. <laughs> they think it's going to there And then you go and there's like just happy little infernals down there like worshipping this cool art.
0: Yeah. So it could either be sent up to the upper plains or they use it to decorate the temples of Krellon.
1: It's probably a better use, yeah. Probably a better use.
0: <laughs> I don't think the elves in the afterlife care that much. I think,
1: well, I think the upper planes is actually they probably really do like it, but yeah. we just took it in like a completely <laughs> random way that might be a little fun.
0: I just imagine them being able to think oh, in the like they're in the afterlife, they're just like, I want art, poof, it's poof, theirs. there it yeah, is. I don't know, and then they get one like I shipped to their front the door the through a dimensional
1: is. door, and they're just like, come on,
0: <laughs> waiting for a lower plane UPS. They have, to yeah, they have UPPS, upper <laughs> planes
1: postal service. Oh
0: my God. <laughs> Okay, and so sometimes they actually, what they do is the glade that they're worshiping during this holy day, they'll actually reshape this glade into a work of art hmm. itself, which is really cool that's to cool. think about. I, it, it gives that sense of this is a holy place. Right. And I imagine, like, they would use this glade year round or, like, for whenever these holy days were, and it would just be this constantly changing work of art, whether that's with art that they're making or they're druids that worship Karellon are shaping the wood to be these beautiful like wood artwork. That's what I was
1: thinking too is it's like you could go to one that it's like on this day oh like I've I've read about this glade where it looks this certain way because on this day something really important happened between us and Karellon you know. You could do a lot of cool things with that. In like Lord of the Rings we always
0: hear like Sam, Frodo, Bilbo they're all like all these halflings are always so obsessed with just even meeting an elf Mm -hmm. and if you carry that over into your D&D campaigns with any of your player characters have that Chris I think uh, you've kind of took that a little bit with Kruor. and he just it, whether it's elves or not he just has this fascination with seeing like different aspects of the world yeah. he loves art I just can't I can't even picture like Kruor's face if he walked into a glade that was reshaped and and made to look like this beautiful artwork of a glade as long as it was used with divine magic yeah. he'd be fine with it during a holy day with with the elves like he would probably just have his jaw to the ground oh yeah like, yeah he's he's fascinated by
1: a lot of things like that like poetry and music Cultures and art and, and yeah. stuff like that as long as it was done with divine magic he'd be yeah. totally for it he's kind <laughs> of become to tell you. he's kind of become slightly skeptical yeah. of anything <laughs> yeah, <we're, laughs> i've <noticed>. arcane magic <laughs> so another holy day
0: of krellon is once a year on the fourth of rich fest the holy day of age long is celebrated. And the elves on this day go on a hunt for orcs to slay in memory of Corellon's battle against the god of the orcs, Grumsh. So if you play by with calendars, these are these holy days are just great things to remember of like, all right, it's it's age long in this in this world that I'm either playing in or I've created. And thus elves right now are going around and slaying orcs. maybe our group finds those yeah. maybe our group has an elf in it and
1: they want to celebrate age long it's like hey guys let's go kill some orcs mm-hmm. well i almost picture in your world in Argonmore we had that festival where you like it was like the race where we tried to run away from the griffin riders yeah i almost imagine this is like elves went out captured some orcs let them loose to see how far they can go, almost like a most dangerous game type thing, right. where they have to like chase them Ooh, down and hunt them, game. right? <laughs> so it's like these elves are going out. They have one one orc that they have to try and track, and whoever can find their orc and come back the quickest ends up winning. <laughs>
0: they like paint the orcs in like a different color. Yeah, and, like, right. Paint, like, like, nope, not the blue orc. Nope, not I've the blue orc. The orc. I've <laughs> got the
1: red orc. Yeah, and then you're hunting cord, of course, at that point in time with cords colors. <laughs> right, <yes. laughs> but oh, yeah, God. so yeah, I I, I almost. I don't know if elves would do that. Maybe the more chaotic ones would do that, yeah, but yeah. like let let <laughs> them loose and hatred, run. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Krollin's got some pretty sweet relics associated with him. The first is the bow of the winter moon, and the story behind this is that Krellon gave this the original bow of the winter moon to the elf Seskaya more than two thousand years ago, uh, but as clerics since then have made four identical copies. So there are, in the Forgotten Realms, four copies of this bow that are somewhere in the world. And so this is a, a, a really, really nice composite bow that adds frost damage to where whatever it shoots. It's attuned to whoever wields it to allow them to add strength to their damage when the arrows are fired. And it is also, of course, considered a bane weapon to Drow elves. <laughs> so, of course, Drow it elves is. fear anybody wielding a bow of the Winter Moon. <laughs> As with all of these relics as well, this bow can only be wielded and used by a worshipper of Krellon, which I'm as- assuming means that if you aren't a worshipper, it's just going to be a regular bow. Right. like It doesn't channel any kind right. of magical powers through it. Another relic of Krellon is the Millennial Chainmail, and this is a suit of armor that feels like mithril chainmail to the touch, but the minuscule rings are a pale green, turning brighter... When the millennium chainmail is in the sun this chainmail is like really good for anybody who is either a thief or a ranger or any kind of like fighter type that is based off of dexterity it doesn't weigh you down it but it gives you a nice armor bonus and i just think of the Mithril chainmail that Frodo and Bilbo get like this is like really really, really nice. light stuff yeah you don't need to worry about it but it's really really powerful too another really cool aspect of this though is that this armor painlessly so painlessly because this does sound painful, painlessly yes <laughs> extends tiny green roots from the armor into the wearer's skin granting fast healing As long as the wearer is standing in better than shadowy illusion. So if you are in any kind of like sunlight, these little roots that have dug themselves painlessly, once again, into your skin are constantly like healing you. You've become a plant. Photosynthesis for the win. you basically become a plant. That's sweet though. Like constant healing. So basically if you have any kind of a like break from battle you don't need to take health potions anymore you're the the cleric comes up to you and you're like you're useless to me now bro <laughs> like i have millennial chain mail <laughs> don't worry about I it i
1: think of uh the spongebob so he goes photosynthesis <laughs> photosynthesis <laughs> he's, he's basically like laying got on the ground
0: of plants <laughs> right stuck in his arms like yeah. whoever wears this that's kind of cool it actually cool. i like it a lot Very so when's elf-like, crew or getting which makes sense Probably never. Oh, (laughs) come on. And then there's another relic that I made for my world. I talked about how there's the Order of Kore, and the Kore is the large moon of my world. Well, they have one weapon that is passed on to the leader of the order, and it's called the Sword of Kore. Chris, you guys found this sword in this campaign. (laughs) Do you remember at the very beginning, you guys were captured by hyena people who you found out were gnolls? And you guys are gonna be fed to them. Oh yeah. Yeah I remember and, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You weren't there for the night before, but you were right. there for that night and you were like, Oh, Kruar would not have done it was a whole long story of bad decisions were made by the group, and you're like, You guys did what? <laughs> I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. So we had you kind of sneak off and you met with these elves that were tracking down the same. They gnolls. were on the hunt
1: for these same types of yeah. gnolls, and yeah. And
0: they helped you to break in to free your friends. And they went to this room, this cave that had all this treasure that the Knolls had acquired. And you guys found this black suit of full plate that you guys were all excited about. It yep. turned out to be cursed. Yep. Which cost on this whole long journey. <laughs> all another yep. story. Yep. <laughs> which, if you listen to story time, you know what that is, where you save the king and all of that. Yep. But there was also a sword there, this crystalline-looking sword uh, that was like glowing a faint like light. And the elves took that, and I, I think one of your party, I think a player who was playing with us at that point, was like, "We want that." And yeah. They were like, you're lucky that your lives are yeah. saved. Like, you can have that armor, but that's not our armor. And you get, and you guys took the armor happily, which turned out to be funny. Uh, but this sword of Kore is a completely like white-looking sword that glows brighter in the moonlight, and even grows brighter whenever Drow or orcs are are near. The elves are really rings-like. like
1: stupid in your world to not protect that thing with their life. How did they lose it? I just wanted <laughs> to introduce the order of core and yeah. add some stuff in.
0: It was at the time that I was working on my deity, it book. it doesn't surprise me they had a they had a uh, I don't know
1: the story behind it. Doesn't but, surprise yeah. me they had a uh, plague that ended up hitting them now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we all know I'm not the biggest fan of elves, but Corella is cool. So <laughs> so yeah, this this sword is like Whenever it's in moonlight moonlight as well, it's granted special power, and it's basically just this awesome sword that can can channel the moon's energy and use it as just making it more powerful, but also to send out shockwaves. Hmm. So it's a pretty sweet weapon. That's
1: pretty cool. Does it grow r- little teeny tiny roots into your skin? No, it does oh, not. Okay, I all didn't right. think about that. That'd be pretty cool <laughs> if you were just a complete root person. Right. <laughs>
0: um, all right, so we have some adventure hooks for this for the god of Krellon. So my first adventure hook idea for the god Krellon is that you could actually play out the banishing of the drow, like play that out in your story. The drow god Loth betrays Krellon and Krellon banishes her, and thus you can play out elf characters that are part of the banishing the drow race to the underdark i feel like that would be a really fun thing to like add that into the history of whether you're playing an actual campaign setting or a campaign setting that you have made like play out that history of how did the el- the drow end up in the underdark Well we're going to actually play that out
1: so one of the ideas that i have for corellan is we talked about the shaping of the glades that the elves yep. do at their festivals so maybe you have a If a moon is out at a specific time, if it's in a specific place in the sky, maybe this is when they decide to do one of their shaping of the glades in your party. Whether they stumble across this, or whether you are a faithful elf, or maybe you just simply say, "Hey, I hate drow." Maybe you're able to participate (laughs) in this, and you're, you know, it may not actually take you being able to do any sort of divine magic, but maybe if you dance in a certain way with the elves, the divine magic just kind of flows and you guys begin to shape this, glade into whatever you want and maybe you could even have your players draw out what this glade would look like have this parts of it the- like
0: the night that you're like hey guys would you guys like the larp a night of d and d hey there and you go instead of doing battle you're like we're gonna make an elven glade of art we and dance dances. you dance
1: around <laughs> the night not through the night, <laughs> not through the night inside jokes from past story times if you haven't listened to it great episode go back and find that story time but yeah so you could you could have the you know the people in your parties dance around and begin to shape one of these glades. And maybe you could even make it like you could have something really cool happens where all of a sudden Corellon's voice is heard or something like that in this moment. So it's like this cool point in time where your players are just like, we heard a God talk in our world, in this world. How stinking cool was that? And that would be one of those times where it's one of the most memorable things that will happen with your players.
0: My last idea for an adventure hook for Corellon is that the group of PCs are members of the fellowship or Forg- of forgotten flowers which is as we recall that that group of elves that goes out to different ruins of elven civilizations and finds like old elven relics or goes after relics that are stolen i mean that could have a whole bunch of fun like campaign adventures where you're going to different ruins or you're going after thieves who have stolen elven relics and you're not only being able to go and travel around whether it whether it's a world that you have created or another world you're getting to see different places and go to different dungeon crawls or just different areas different ruins but you're also able to as you go collect items that maybe you can use some of them maybe your orders like "We, we we got this back for the elven race it's in elven hands again our hands so now we get to use these awesome items, these awesome treasures of the elven race. Oh, look, they all do special damage to drow.
1: <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> what do you know? Yeah.
0: Well, that's all that we have as far as Krellons. So, Chris, you chose another god from Dragonlance because we had somebody say, pick a Dragonlance yeah, we Yeah, a couple god. people say
1: they wanted to hear some Dragonlance gods. And I'll be honest, there's not a lot, you know, when I'm looking out, that's written on the internet about these gods. There's a lot of stuff written about ones in Books Like, there's, like, little snippets here and there where they're, like, mentioned, but as far as, like, as far as how much there's given about Corellon, there's definitely not as much given about a, a majority of the Dragonlance we gods. We talked
0: a little about this off-air before the episode, but Dragonlance gods are a little bit different than Greyhawk gods or Forgotten Realms gods in the sense that when you read about Forgotten Realm or Greyhawk gods, you get a very strong sense of a an actual, like, appearance and a being that gods are actual living, immortal beings, but they're beings nonetheless. They all have, like, these appearances. Whether or not they're able to change their appearances at will, they all have, like, this appearance that they usually take form in that's not really the case as far as the no that's gods. not it at all they're, for them they're a lot more in the sense like this god is the god of nature yep. in general the god of this of the sea the god of this or that the god of this ideal like it's a very much more yeah they're abstract they're, they're idea very they're the
1: very gods. much formless and they basically they just represent a particular aspect of creation. So for Kislev, it would be nature, and that's yeah. who we're going to talk about today. The way that they kind of like communicate with people on the earth is every once in a while they'll send like a messenger or a, a vision or a dream or something like that. The other interesting part about the gods of Dragonlance and of the world is is they never bring their full essence into the world. And so I don't know why they don't do that. Maybe it's like if they brought their full essence to the world, it would be too much for the world to handle. I don't know. So they're in like this separate dimension, but they can send whether it's omens or visions or dreams or whatever to the people of the world. So they're they're a little bit different uh, from what...
0: You can't handle my full you essence. You can't handle
1: my full essence. So we're going to talk about Kislev. Nature Incarnate, Divine Power of Instinct, those are very much the things uh, Kislev is known for. If you had to put an alignment on Kislev, it would be from the neutral the neutral realm. There's some other names for her, which some of you may want to take, some of you may not want to take. Some of them, if you've read Dragonlance, will make a little bit more sense. Some of them will not make any sense at all. Some of the names would be The Beast, Chiselwilder, Kisla, the Mother of the Sea Creatures. So you could do something with, like, sea creatures might have something that looks completely different. Like a lot of a lot of I would imagine if you were to put one of these gods that are formless into your world, they would have some sort of statues carved or paintings drawn or paintings painted or drawings drawn or whatever you want to have in that world. But you could have something that looks like mother of sea creatures. You could have a dolphin that looks like her or something like that. Craddock is another one, wild one, winged mother, world mother are some of the some of the few that you could use for Kislev. Her symbol is a feather of brown, yellow, and green. So it kind of just plays off of that innate nature sense that she has. Like uh, when you think of nature, you think of birds flying around. A perfect representat- representation of Kislev would be a feather with brown, yellow, and green uh, laid throughout it. Uh, her portfolio would be nature and instinct. Those would be the two things that she's known for in this world. In the world of Crin, where Dragonlance takes place, the the animals and plants revere Kislev, who is said to be their mother. so kind of like Karyn where basically was the creator of all of the elves you could almost take something if you were to put something like Kislev into your world and she could be the mother of animals like she could be the person that is responsible for the creation of all of the animals and wildlife on whatever world you you decide to play in whether it's one that you've created or one that you've pre-existed that or one that's pre-existent already and you're just making a few changes on. Kislev is also the patron to many druids and rangers, which kind of makes sense if you're thinking more along the lines of nature, what better patrons to have than druids, which very much err on the side of using nature to do the things that they want to do, and rangers, who spend a lot of time out in nature, which is just what, they, what they're what they supposed to do as rangers. One cool thing about Kislev is she extends her divinity to the world of Kryn. And so she feels everything that is done to it. So whenever a tree is cut down, she feels it. Whenever a hole is dug, she feels it. Whenever a volcano erupts, she feels that. So she feels basically everything that happens in this world.
0: Yeah. In a lot of ways, she almost is Kryn. In mm-hmm. a way, yeah. she. We said she's nature, the embodiment of nature, and the fact that she just is in tune with nature to the point where she is nature. She's... She's the world of Crin in a lot mm-hmm. of ways.
1: Yeah, and so when I read through this god the first time, I was like, "Wow, this is really cool." Because you know, I've, I've explained this to you a little bit. My world is called Panthea because all of the gods. This is very much like a pantheistic type world. All of the gods are a part of the world in some way, shape, or form. And so this made me think like, do I have a god of the druids specifically yet? That feels like. When trees are cut down she would feel it i don't have something like that so for me this was really good because i'm i'm starting to think through what type of god could i have to take that place in my world another cool thing is her moods change with the seasons and her fury is directed at those who abuse the wild especially in unnatural ways and so i don't know what specifically that would look like but i wonder if it's like a tree is all of a sudden getting cut down and the tree falls on the person instead of, like... It's, or, or, <laughs> Ents, uh, or Ents. Or Ents come.
0: Yeah, yeah the Elves come out, out. Like, another interesting thing to note about, you know, we talked about Dragonlance being a little bit different than the Forgotten Realms or Greyhawk is I feel like there's less gods in Dragonlance because if you remember the episode where we talked about world-building and pantheons and such, we talked about, like, how he, in some worlds each race has their own pantheon. Dragonlance isn't like that. Chris said that there's many names for Kislev. That's because a lot of different areas of the world or different races will call Kislev by different names because... It's not like Kislev is the god of nature for the elves or for the humans. It's Kislev is the god of nature, right? And she is worshipped all. And over that could be due because world.
1: of the because of the formlessness of her. Yeah. People will know her as different things throughout the whole exactly. world. Yeah,
0: yeah. Perhaps they the elves picture her as an elf. Perhaps the humans picture her as a human. Dwarves is a dwarf, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Kislev is the god of nature for the world. She may be called different things by different races and different regions, but she is the god of nature. Mm
1: -hmm. She has very few clerics too. If you do find a cleric of Kislev in Dragonlance, it's probably because they live in farming communities because they rely on nature a lot. It's not like today where you can put a sprinkler out or a, a huge <laughs> I- irrigation system out in your field. It's like no, you're you're really relying on the gods in the world of Kryn, and so you'll find a lot of clerics. Not a lot, but a, f- a few clerics. And if you do find them, they'd be in farming communities, or you would find them, or you would find her clerics among hermit-like forest-dwelling druids. So people that are kind of isolated, living almost like a Radagast type character. I would imagine being yeah. like, a, oh yeah, a, a, Radagast uh, would totally worship. Kislev. Yeah, would be a cleric of Kislev. Something interesting that happens in the Dragonlance world is every once in a while, you will find a god that also has a planet named after it. Kislev is such a god. It has a planet. It's the fourth planet orbiting the sun in this world. It is almost completely covered in jungle, and it has a few different types of creatures that live there. But it is also said to be called the live world. And I don't know if that's just because it's a planet that's completely covered in jungle. Like it just has so many different types of creatures and animals living on there. That's just so much going on that it's called the live world. I, that could be it. Many people from the Krin, the world of crin also just call it another Earth body. They see it as Earth. Some things could live there. Some things could not. It's just like Earth. The planet Kislev is named after the deity. And the goddess is also said to live there. Now, live there as in a body or live there as in a form? (laughs) I have no idea. I'll leave that up to you guys if you want to add something like this. But it also is something interesting that you might incorporate, that gods might have planets named after them in your world, or they might have moons named after them in their world. You could do something like that that would come from the Dragonlance world. So we have some adventure hooks for you based off of the god Kislev. Uh, The first one would be based off of the planet Kislev, talking about that. You could be in your world, say you have it doesn't have to be Kislev necessarily, but it could be a god that a planet is named after. Maybe it's because the god lives there. Maybe it's because your god of the druids lives there. Whatever you want to do. You could have a door somewhere in your world set up so that if somebody were to walk through it, they're transported to this other planet. So you you could create this whole other planet. Say you're characters are sick of playing in the world that you're playing in because they played so much in there it's like hey you get to take a little bit of a break and go and explore this world that is completely covered with jungle this is a chance for you to create all new homebrew creatures maybe try some creatures from other monster manuals from even different games that you've wanted to throw in here you could do a lot of stuff with this and add it into this jungle world the living world or the live world whatever you want to call it
0: yeah it's really interesting i feel like uh, I've seen players get really invested in the god that they worship. And if you, like, have a god that they worship eventually, like, speak to their PC, they get, like, super excited. Yeah. I can only imagine the excitement of you are going to go and travel to the home planet of the god that you worship. Yeah. yeah. That's named after the god that you worship. <laughs> Maybe the planet is the god.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo!
0: <laughs> a lot of excitement there. My idea is I kind of. Took this idea of playing in a world that has no vegetation left, which is a good start for Kislev, right? Yeah. So basically, yeah. basically like almost like an apocalyptic setting, and you have one of your PCs who is the last druid or worshipper of Kislev. Nobody worships Kislev anymore because there's no, there's no foliage anywhere. There's no trees. There's no nothing. And listen, I don't want to get a whole. Bunch of emails saying, "How do they breathe?" I don't care. It's a fantasy world. <laughs> Get over it. So there's no foliage. There's no nothing. Uh, and you are the last druid of Kislev, and you have the last seed, a tree or something like that. And you're all about. I need to find a place to plant this tree, to raise it up, grow seeds and or nuts, and be able to take those, harvest those, make more trees, and bring about. Again, Kislev's glory. I
1: just imagine this PC walking around with like a potted plant. <laughs> that's yeah. like that's like his little thing. He just walks around with this little teeny tiny potted plant that Pretty he's trying much. to like find a place. Find an oasis or some somewhere. That he could plant this yeah. one plant. That's like his whole goal. It's I like he goes into battle, <laughs> somebody's trying to like kill him. He's like, No, don't
0: break the plant. Don't break the Unless plant. Unless you have this be like the focus of the campaign, I see this being set up for failure. Cause can you imagine oh, yeah. like like all right guys, we're coming together to play and there's one PC Who's like, I have the last plant. It's the <laughs> last tree seed. I'm going to plant it and build a forest and coming together with a bunch of adventurers and being like, let's do this.
1: Then I'll be like, no. <laughs> well, and they get to this one point we where they the haven't they haven't eaten for so long and they're yeah. like, the last seed. It <laughs> they looks have so good.
0: agendas and they're just not going to care. The last <laughs>
1: melon. <laughs> but it could be a really cool story. So, so my last adventure hook is one where uh, you might be Hired by a cleric of Kislev, or it might somebody in your group might be approached by a cleric of Kislev, and they have found out that there is something that bad that is going to happen to the forest in the surrounding area that you're in. And so you've been recruited to go because Kislev can feel the things that's happening to the forest around her. She sent this guy, or maybe even one of your player characters themselves sent them this vision or this dream or maybe just an audible voice that everybody could hear uh, that you have to go and protect this forest or this this uh, mountain or this river or whatever it is from something bad that's going to happen to it. Whether it's somebody trying to create a city that has an evil god being worshipped in it and Kislev is neutral but she has a lot of beef with uh, some of the evil gods of the world. So maybe it's something like that that she knows what the, what the wood or the lumber or whatever it is is going to be used for. Maybe she sends a a vision because she doesn't have a form here. She can't just pop in and pop out and do this uh, herself. She has to do it through other people. Maybe you're the people that are going to rescue either the river or the forest or whatever it is from certain destruction. So that's all we have for Kislev. Mitch, you have a god that you're going to share with us.
0: Yeah, so every time we do Divine Spotlight, we share one god from one of our worlds. It's my turn, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about quam what i've noticed is that i think a lot most of the gods we talk about so far have been good gods and so quam is not a good god quam is known as the curse maker or the dark lord his power level is lesser so he's not a very very strong god his alignment is chaotic evil so there you go there's your evil god his portfolio is magic the dark arts and curses his domains are magic, curse, evil, and word. And his superior is Wejosh. That's who he answers to. Wejosh. So Quam is in Atos, the god of dark magic and curses. He's responsible for most of the powerful cursed items all over Atos, wherever they're spread. He appears as an old man with a long white beard and pupilless eyes. He wears a red and black wizard's robe, mostly black. And his left arm appears to be made of crackling lava with a hand made of orange flesh with sharp claws. And so it's believed that this arm is actually because of a curse gone wrong hmm. uh, that he tried to do, uh, like some really powerful. And if God tries to curse something, it goes wrong. <laughs> That's it's probably, probably a really yeah. powerful curse. Be <laughs> thankful it wrong. didn't actually happen. Exactly. And he carries with him his staff, Orat Bulvag, which is... Which is abyssal for dark curse Look oh. at that. It's so simple yet so cool so like i said he answers to we even though he is much more chaotic than we is he hates all of the good pantheon all of the good gods but most of all he hates all the lawful deities such as heronius can't stand heronius because he's all about chaos and creating curses to create more chaos right let me ask you this if you've ever Put a a cursed item in your game. Does it not create chaos in your campaign? Yeah, so I, it almost killed the king in, in your world. It really so does. yes, it does. I, it, and that was that was chaos that I kind of orchestrated the storyline. Right, line, right. But it doesn't even need to be an orchestrated storyline. Just if a character puts on a cursed item, chaos usually
1: ensues. <laughs> yes, it does. No matter what it is, just yeah. the
0: players themselves just yep. reacting to that. So Quam sees his craftsmanship as beautiful. And all who would destroy, yep, all who would go out and destroy cursed items are, in his eyes, enemies. Quam's dogma says that curses are to be held sacred, items that are cursed are to be revered. Learn to bestow the blessing of curses, the blessing of curses, blessing upon ordinary and extraordinary items, and spread the chaos of Quam by secretly passing them along into the world which is my world is the world world of Atos Quam has not a lot of worshipers he's obviously outlawed in most places and so a lot I of would certainly hope yeah, so a lot of his worshipers are are known as cults they're small cults that meet in secret places usually like at one of the worshipers homes uh, they live double lives living seemingly ordinary lives but spreading the curses of Quam where, whenever they can during their secret hours of creating cursed items a, a lot of them are merchants who secretly sell cursed items that's to what i was gonna ask I,
1: I wonder if that's what's actually no. gonna happen <laughs> here like they yeah they sell something and it just all of a sudden like falls apart no. or it like it continually pricks them no, or whatever try it is.
0: to build like yeah small curses that would just be seen as like oh this thing is broken or big curses and they try to build good relationships and good reputations so that when a cursed item comes back with you gave me a cursed item, it's like, I I didn't know I didn't right, know right. Like, I got it from that guy. He must be the right. one. They'll even try to spread the chaos even more in that sense. The clerics of Quam wear black robes with bright red. So whenever these cults are coming together, it's just these black robed with a little bit of bright red trim. Mostly humans just coming together mm. and very cult-like, creepy. Anytime you have somebody house. in
1: full black clothing, it's just intimidating. Yeah, and we know stuff. that
0: cults have to have dark robes. Dark <laughs> robes, and when you add the color of red, boat, which right? is like the color of blood, yep. it just
1: makes it that much more intimidating.
0: <laughs> and so any armor that they wear is magically protected to curse any other person who would try to wear it. You know they're not going to curse themselves. They're not about like living in torturous right, right torment. They're about cursing others. But they will put special powers on their their armor or their weapons to make sure that nobody else is able to put it on. And if they do try to steal their armor, or steal their weapons, they're going to pay for it. I just
1: imagine you put this like leather armor on, and it just keeps tightening and tightening yeah. and tightening oh, and tightening, <laughs> and just like slowly just asphyxiates you <laughs> from putting terrible. it on.
0: Uh, that would definitely be a curse of one of Quam's worshipers. Oh, I bet it would be. Temples to Quam, there are no temples to Quam because it they would be destroyed, yeah. sought out by the law right away, but like I said, the the places that he's worshiped are usually homes that his cults will meet in. Worshippers of Quam will make and distribute at least one cursed item a month. That's one of their rituals. Whenever a cursed item is created, it is customary to offer a burnt offering to Quam for the item to spread as much chaos in the world as possible. Hmm. Kind of like a Quam, give your blessing to this item, right. But right, let it cause your chaos that you want. There's only one holy day for the worshippers of Quam. It's called the Day of Quam, and it is a day that is observed by the worshippers of Quam everywhere. The cults get together, and they praise the curse maker for all the past year's victories, which would be spreading All of the curses, curses and chaos that's going on. Yeah. Yep. And make plans on how to best create chaos through their arts for the following year. Kind of like it. I almost imagined it as like a like the Quam conventions in town again. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, let's go talk about everything yeah, that's right. coming next year. Well, like,
1: I I almost is this something that like people would know about? Like the, the day of Quam is this like a regular I every they single try to year? Keep
0: it secret and if people did catch wind of it, it'd be like guards be on the ready. It's like the it's like, like a witch hunt or something yeah, at that even point in like time. There's uh, curfews for the, yeah, the right. day of Quam right. Maybe it switches every year. because well, I was gonna say it probably
1: if it's if it's chaotic enough, yeah. it probably wouldn't be on the same day. It'd probably be something that's like okay, you'll get something when the day of Quam is gonna yeah, happen exactly, or something like that.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And so together the the cult on this day creates one item. Of tremendous cursed power. So, all the like, wherever the region is, the cults all get together and they take one item and they create this tremendous item. Can you imagine like an item that's been cursed by like a whole cult of people who make it their lives' ambitions to create curses? I don't want to go anywhere near that item. (laughs) No, not at all. So, there's one relic that's known by any worshiper of Quam and it's called the Bullvag Box and this is a large wooden chest that is said to have been cursed by Quam himself. It appears to be very old, and has many strange and unreadable symbols carved all over it. Anything or anyone who is held in the box overnight is cursed with a magic so powerful that it is said that it can't be broken at all. (laughs) Like, no no going to clerics and being able to cancel this curse. Uh, The nature of the curse takes on different properties with each of its subject and so if you're like just wandering through like the woods or wherever this cult of Kwam is meeting and you stumble upon them hopefully this is not a the cult that holds on to the bull bag box because you're going in the box I have
1: two two things that run through my head when I hear that one I think of the movie hook where they have the box where they put the person in with the scorpion have you seen that i haven't you ever seen the movie no. Hook back with Robin Williams back it. in the day?
0: No. Oh, Hook! Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Hook. I love the movie. Where, Hook. where, yeah.
1: uh, where Captain Hook opens the yep. box and they put the one like pirate member that's like supposedly the bad guy. They put him it's inside been a the long box. Time. I don't remember. He this. Shut the box on his head and like okay. open it and put a little punishment. Yeah, it's just like punishment. They put a little scorpion in it. That's like I picture that, but you just come out with like this curse that can't be removed. And then I also wonder if there's like some we have like oh, looks like you opened Pandora's box with that. Like I almost wonder if there's like oh. You opened Quam's box for that. Whenever like something chaotic happens in your village or something like that. Like there's a little idiom that goes yeah, along yeah. with it.
0: Oh yeah. That's that's one of the gods that I created for my world. I love curses. Uh, many of my players know I love curses. Mm-hmm. They don't know how much I love curses because I try to dial it back because I don't want to curse too much stuff yeah. and have yeah. you guys hate me. <laughs> but I so I created this god, Quam, that's all about curses and spreading the chaos of curses and having a cult that spreads all these curses. It's just terrifying. Like
1: Yeah, no matter how big or small they are. Even yeah. if they're small little curses that cause just a little bit of harm or a little bit of chaos, it's always yeah, fun. A
0: little a little curse can go a long way to screw over as an much. Group. Oh, here's a lantern. Guess what? It's cursed that it won't work in darkness.
1: Right. Like,
0: oh no, what are we doing? We're facing a dungeon. We need a lantern. It won't work for some. Yeah, reason. I
1: think no matter how much people say they hate curses. It adds for some pretty stinking memorable times within somebody's playing time. In a
0: world of magic, you got to have both good magic Mm -hmm. and you have to have bad magic. Mm -hmm. Magic that's just there to do harm.
1: Yeah, or even if it's like you get a wand of magic missile or something like that. But it only works at night. You know, it's like stupid little things like that. It doesn't even have to be that harmful. It's just a curse, but it causes a lot of chaos. It's like, oh, crap, I'm out of all of my spells already. I'm going to pull out this wand. Oh shoot! It doesn't work, you know. Stuff like that's just—it's just just funny for stuff like that to happen.
0: (laughs) Or yeah, like that's a wand is a good example. Like I would imagine a worshiper of Quam takes a wand of healing and makes it do negative damage rather than positive, like positive healing. And that, if you pull that out, that wand for the first time, that could be. Usually, when you're pulling out a wand of healing, it's in the like oh no, we need this. Right. So that could mean difference between life and death, right Or there. you could
1: have like a, a wand of fireball that comes out the back side of it oh, instead of the front side. <laughs> like, so they go to use it and it's like <laughs> fireball bah, it just hits them. Your instead. whole party's dead. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine? That'd be awful. <laughs> so maybe not fireball, but maybe something a little less at I lower like levels. well that that's crazy. Yeah. So it's like something it, it you know, it just shoots out the back end of the yeah. wand instead yeah, of out, out of the front end. Bolt, yeah, Like just right out yeah. the
0: back you're like you're in a like hallway and you're like oh put put Fred in the front front. He's got the lightning bolt thing and so everybody's in this tight hallway, yeah. behind and just like <laughs> lightning bolt ah, everybody. <laughs> that's awful. And that, uh. that's an easy fix, you just turn it around. Yeah, you just it's turn not it an around. easy
1: fix if you're all dead. But in the moment, like it's something that like if you don't say it, you're probably gonna pull it out like normal. And, or it could be something oh, yeah. that, like, wizards have this thing, and they're like, hey, let's play a little joke on the noob. Like, let's let, it's like an initiation for wizards exactly. or something like that.
0: Exactly. So we have some adventure hooks for if you want to put Quam into your world or create a god that's very much like Quam. So the first one that I have, I just simply entitled The Trial of the Quam Worshipper. Mm. And so, like like I said, many of the Quam Worshippers are merchants and such. So you can place a merchant in your world that maybe he sells a few things to your adventuring party and they're cursed. You don't have to make them like curses that are going to kill them but right like, like right. we said there's different levels and so they're they're trying to do it in a way that they're going to be able to get away with it too without being arrested or whatever be able to place the blame on someone else so maybe just pick a couple like light curses and so what's going to happen when your party gets these items and they go out into the world to do adventures and are stuck in a really dire situation because of something as simple as oh our lantern It doesn't work in the dark, and we're in a very dark place, and we need a light. Like, what do we do? You could you could have something as simple as a bedroll that nobody even thinks about the bedroll, but a bedroll that's cursed to make the 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 person who's using it never sleep. (laughs) Like, that's awful in D and D, like in the in a D and D game. I just yeah,
1: I think of like maybe his sentence. Maybe he created an axe that whenever it goes to split wood, it like turns its head around and you hit with the backside of it all the time. So maybe their sentence is if they can split a piece of wood with their own cursed ax, they can get out of prison or something like that. So you almost turn your own curses against you that you have to use those in that time while you're being sentenced. Exactly.
0: And so, yeah, the adventurers are going to want to bring that guy to justice. Some adventurers are going to want to go back to the shop, kick in the door and cut the guy's head off. However, if you do that, most cities are going to want to put them on trial and put them in jail. Right. Right and murder should not be taken lightly so going through the right channels they would have to go to the law and bring this up and i i once did a trial like a a court trial with my players from new york and it was just fantastic like they decided to like be their own lawyers and such and so to do like a trial where it's it's your adventures versus this worshiper of quam who's just like a just seemingly like a really nice merchant and he brings in character witnesses and you're trying to like bringing in like i have the evidence and you bring in like item number 53 which is the the axe that switches right. and like having this fun like little court trial that might sound completely stupid to everybody who's listening but i think it's it, sounds it fun. might be <laughs> it might be fun yeah My role-playing opportunities are fantastic
1: yeah they're always you just you just never know what your players are going to do until yeah, you put exact, them in that situation exact. yeah Chris, what about you? My idea is uh, maybe you're a part of a city guard. And you said when the day of Quam comes that you look back on the year and you see like everybody celebrates the types of things that they've done, right? So say there's like say you're in a city and we'll we'll go with maybe Quam switches the day of Qam every year. No, it's not on a set schedule, it's just chaotic and random fitting, right? So you have all of a sudden a huge influx, maybe not huge, but depending on the city size, you have a large influx of cursed items that start coming in because the merchants are trying to either one, make up for lost time or two, they're like, well, maybe we don't have the sweetest item to brag about at this convention or whatever. Maybe we have to make something really cool. So maybe these curses get bigger. Maybe they get worse. Maybe there's just more little ones running around. Maybe there's just more little curses running around, and you are a part of the guard of the city that's in charge of finding out where all of these cursed items are coming from.
0: Tracking them down, following the clue of curses. Yep.
1: maybe you go so far as to try and prevent the Day of qualm from happening because maybe that's the sign every year that the Day of qualm is about to happen as more and more cursed items start to come. So maybe in a larger city, that's more overwhelming, and they know what's going on. Maybe in a smaller city they might not even know what's going on. It may be like one person that's starting to put out a couple, yeah. a little bit more cursed items, you know? So that could be something fun that's I going on. I just
0: picture like this medieval SWAT team busting down like a convention <laughs> center and yeah. you've got all these geeky worshipers of Quam. They're like cosplaying as Quam, and they're like <laughs> selling each other like these cursed items. are like, oh no! like running yeah. away it's you like, see one with the
1: sticker or the pack of gum where you pull it out and it yeah. snaps your hand and it's just like ah, oh, you got me
0: oh gosh yeah that's what i <laughs> imagined during that uh, my my last adventure hook is i call it just into the bull bag box and so that relic the bull box imagine if you and your party track down a cult of qualm and one of your players messes up and is captured by them and gets put into the bull box and comes out and he is
1: cursed. But what do you say to the person that's in there, too? Like, what yeah. happens in there? <laughs> like, you have to describe the things that happen yep, in there to yep. them, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, do you feel anything? Is it soundproofed but,
1: from the ends, from yeah. the inside? So, like, you're actually getting tortured in there, but nobody right? can see what's happening? Exactly.
0: What happens in that box? Is it just, like, something that happens to you while you're in the box? Is, do you get wisped away, and you appear before Quam himself, and he curses you? What What happens in the bull bag? Do
1: the people that come out inherently know what their curse is? Or is it something that they have to explore and find out like two days
0: that look like what's What's different? What's different about me? Like, I don't know. Nothing's different. But maybe
1: it's when you go outside, you slowly get sunburned, or you slowly take damage from the sun or something like that. Like, there's all sorts of crazy – so you constantly have to travel with hoods on. You constantly have to be in the shadows the rest of your life or something like that. You
0: go to eat, like, a delicious pheasant and all – I don't know what it's from, but it's definitely from something that – all food that touches your lip turned to ash. Oh, so yeah. It, it sounds familiar. I don't know what yeah, it's from. Yeah, I don't remember what yeah, that's like, from. There's so many curses that you can do that wouldn't even, if you have players that you're afraid that they would be upset at a curse that would affect their stats, you don't need to do a stat-affecting curse. You can do one like that. But then they could go on this long quest of trying to break this unbreakable curse for one of the players. So, yeah, that's my adventure hook for Quam. Those are all the gods that we wanted to talk to you guys about today. Hopefully, you enjoyed our talk about Krellon, Kislev, and Quam. Hopefully, if you don't have any of those gods in your world, you are inspired to either put one of them in your world, all of them in your world, or create gods that are based off of maybe just some of their attributes. So, yeah, hopefully that helps you to be inspired to create new gods or to know more about the gods that you already know and love. With that, let's head to the Mailbag of Holding.
1: They've been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That right there is the mail. Now, let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail? Please, Mac, I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay?
0: All right, so for this segment of the Mailbag of Holding, where we share ideas, stories, and questions from you, the listener, we have a really awesome idea from... From Dylan S. Dylan S. wrote us on our email, and Chris, he's got a sweet idea. Tell us a little bit about the idea that he shared.
1: He starts out by saying, Today in my campaign, my adventurers were investigating what looked like a medium-sized explosion in the woods, uh, when they approached, when they were approached by a hooded man with a grotesque markings and boils all over his body, basically they they tried to like move around this guy and talk to this guy and kind of work things out with him. And out of his bag fell this card, a card with a minotaur landed, uh, and in the middle, in between them, where the card landed, the minotaur actually poof, sprang up out of the ground, like out of this card. And so what they went to go on and find out is that this this guy went on to explain that he was a soul collector and what he ended up doing was whenever he would come upon a creature or if he would kill a creature, I don't know exactly how uh, these mechanics worked. He would travel through these different dimensions. And when he found one of these creatures or a champion, he would trap their soul into a card. And so he uses these magic cards, uh, just normal magic cards as these creature cards. And so what inevitably ended up happening is he's like, well, in order to get past me, I challenge you to a match. You know, this is something that he might do in the future. Uh, and so he might... Uh, the way that he says it might work is he'll give them cards. They'll fight. He'll, the guy, the soul collector that he'll be playing, obviously has a better deck because he's fighting against a couple of different people. But the wages, if you beat him, he'll disappear, leaving his cards behind, and he'll have to start all over. If they lose their souls will be forever trapped inside these cards. Oh, so it's like this really, like, <laughs> like crazy. if you lose, that's going to suck. So what happens yeah. if one person loses? Are they forever trapped in these cards? Like, say you end up beating him, but one of your party just, members...
0: Yeah, is it your fate then lies in your friend's hands? Yeah,
1: they, yeah. You know, how does that work out? So it's just, you know, and you can use different mechanics within the game. He says he's, he's going to incorporate the sleight of hand. So if you roll a sleight of hand check during your turn you'll be able to draw, like, two cards instead of one. Ooh, so it'll be, nice. like, you rolled really well on your sleight of hand check. Take two cards. Or you can try and intimidate the man so he, like, loses a turn or something like that. You know, st- different things like that. So he's incorporating d and uh and magic. And magic.
0: And also comes to mind Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, yeah. Pokemon, like, you're talking about this man, and I'm like, he's Giovanni. The yeah, he's Giovanni, career. right? Yeah. Like, he's, the, like, this big bad guy you got to beat. But that's really cool. I like it on a lot of levels. You get to have real props mm-hmm. that your players and you can use. I like the initial like setup of just like your players have no idea it's coming. You pulling out a magic card and just throwing it down the table and then dropping a, a Minotaur mini, whatever it is that you threw <laughs> right. out there. And um, so
1: you throw that out and maybe you use the D&D Minotaur stats, or you actually are playing a game of Magic at the time, you know, however you want to make that work, it sounds like an awesome awesome idea.
0: Exactly, there's a whole different ways that you can do this in, like, Mm -hmm. this, I think this idea is really good for players for targeting players who like Magic, like, Mm -hmm. if you don't like Magic you can still, if they like Pokemon if they like Yu-Gi-Oh, you can still use your Magic cards and like, do this, like get have a use for those those commons that yep. you don't care about anything yep. like and you just go here you go like you can throw them down and you can start an in-game magic battle mm-hmm. i think we talked about this a little bit before a little bit a yeah different i don't know what the reason was but in a different way in another episode and we said if you do that well nerd billy ended sure, up coming
1: up with a D idea yeah, or a magic idea that he was going to use kind yeah, of along these similar the lines game, yeah the game. And, but yep. if
0: you do that make sure that you still stay in character as your player don't go like uh, don't start reverting back to yourself and,
1: like, I tapped this guy for this. Like, right. talk
0: about it as you were your character. Right, and so maybe – enemy yeah. talk in the enemy's voice.
1: Yeah, can maybe if you cast a spell at a creature and that creature has hex proof in the magic, do you make it so spells don't affect the creature yeah. in the d d world? I don't know. There's a yeah. whole lot of things that you could do with this. And I told him, I was like, I'm kind of totally jealous that I didn't come up with this idea. Yeah. But yet again, that's how d d keeps amazing us. There's just, you can come up with so many different things, and there's, like, there's really no shortage of ideas yeah, that you can come up with for this game. You can also, like, throw
0: the cards down and, like, put, like we said, put down actual minis. Like, a Minotaur card relates to D&D mini stats. And so, are you then fighting these creatures? Like, are your adventurers fighting these creatures that the guy throws down? Or are you throwing down monsters, and then your character gets to control a D&D right. monster? Yeah. and the interesting thing would be if it if it depends on the, the draw, like if you get a really powerful one or not, like if you don't wanna play with mana or whatever it right. takes the to- cast these things it's just whatever you draw you put down right maybe it's just
1: a deck full of creature cards that you whatever you you turn over
0: for one battle yeah and then you do it again or whatever it is Mm -hmm. or there's a number of slots that you and your friends can fill with monsters but you brought up the like a creature in magic having hex proof in the game you're not able to use spells and sorceries on that that target that creature well it'd be interesting too if you had some of those spells or those abilities of the creature affect if you were playing with D&D minis, with D&D monsters. Like, you put a Minotaur down, and that Minotaur under the card says Hexproof. So you then fight, and you pull a Mind Flayer card or some other creature that has spells, and they use spells on that Minotaur. Normally that would work, like, really well. Yeah. But because this Minotaur card says Hexproof, this Minotaur now has the added Spell immunity. It'd be really interesting. There's a lot of things, like you said, you can do with this to make it a lot of fun and make it interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like death touch. Yeah. If it were to touch you, do you automatically die? Like a touch attack. Yeah.
0: And then that monster dies. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of different things that you could do for that. So that that's what we got in our email inbox for the mailbag of holding this week. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. Maybe even go ahead and try this in your game and send us an email yeah. to let us know how it works and we'll forward it on along to uh to Dylan and and yeah. let him know how he how you use that it in your game. It'd be a
0: great way to get some maybe you have some friends who play magic that they haven't sat down to play D&D with you and this is the way you pull them in. Yeah. We'll we'll play, or we'll vice play versa. A game of yeah. magic in D&D. Yep. So thank you Dylan. We really appreciate you sending that in. Send us your stuff. Get it into the mailbag of holding. That would be fantastic listen to the end of the episode and we'll give you that email along with other stuff but before the end of the episode we have another dm nastics for
2: you welcome back guys to another segment of dm nastics the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds i am dm main prize and i'm joined by
3: dm neil aka joke Maniac. for this week's dm nastics we're going to be tying back to episode number 26 are you ready kids there are no pineapples under the sea or starfish in this one and the guest was Sean Ellsworth from tribality.com. And DM main prized titled this Yo Ho Ho, A Pirate's Life for Me. And then he'll explain the setup.
2: So, the general idea for this post I made after listening to the episode that was all about pirates and pirate campaigns and high seas adventures was to go out and grab some images from the internet, from places like Google and DeviantArt, and post those on the forums uh, images of just pirate type people, pirate settings stuff on ships, sea monsters, and then basically issued the challenge to make an NPC or a plot or a plot hook or story idea out of these these pictures and to write that down. A lot of guys filled out a lot of great ideas. I'm going to talk about one made by Almarian Knight, who decided to step up to the plate. And instead of doing one or two, he made a post about all eight of the images that I posted. So Props to him for that. The first one I'm going to talk about is an idea he had for picture number three, which was a picture of a skeleton who had like a big beard made out of fire standing on a pirate ship. His idea was to have, uh, whether it be a villain or an NPC, a guy named Firebeard, who is the Wraith of the Seven Seas. Uh, The idea for this character was that it was a guy who traded his soul to a dragon for immortality and power. He fell in love with a merlady at some point, and they had a kid. Firebeard has this ability to change between being a zombie, a pirate, and a half-dragon just by using his mind. So a really cool idea for a possible villain out there on the high seas. Another idea he had was for picture number five, and that was of this kind of anthropomorphized shark dude carrying two swords. His idea was to have this be the offspring of a gnome and a shark. So it's like a shark gnome he called it Shrak. And this creature was like really vicious and animal-like, but it was really loyal to Fluv, which was a character that he had created somewhere up higher in his post. He's kind of creating his own story with all his various posts, which I thought was really cool. And this Shrak character is a big like time defender of Atlantis, which I thought was sweet, and a gnome shark hybrid who doesn't love that. So that's what I'm going to highlight from his DM Neil can talk about the next idea.
3: So the next post uh, that we want to highlight was posted by Insightful Hedgehog, who focused on uh, picture number seven, which shows an Oteag battling against a couple of the uh, Pathfinders iconic characters and kind of tearing up a town as that battle happens. And as they say, a picture is worth a thousand words. And Insightful Hedgehog wrote essentially the story behind those characters and that battle. A town had fallen into the sea and fallen into legend town was entitled Nautilus. Also, the two pirate captains, who once flew under the same flag after their captain died, began this intense rivalry, becoming two of the most notorious pirates and their rivalry even more so. As they're fighting one of the infinite battles, as rivals do, they were both sucked down into the sea and essentially crashed into what is believed to be Nautilus and from around the corner steps forth the Otiug and just to give you a, a small sample of the awesome story that he wrote I'll give you the last line They looked at each other nodded and began to sprint toward the monster So just an awesome story that came from just a simple image and a great idea to add in is a, a legend in your world a actual adventure that your players could go on just anything you could come up
2: with. That's a sweet idea I mean two pirates that hate each other realizing that They're going to have to team up to fight a big undersea creature. Definitely something you could add into your campaigns. So again, I just want to uh, implore all the listeners to join up on the forums, take part in these challenges and exercises. The conversations and ideas that come out of them are really great. And it's just like shooting fish in a barrel as far as grabbing ideas to add to your campaigns that your players are hopefully really going to love.
3: Just head over to dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net. Try some of the DMnastics so your players don't ask, do you even lift? i got to get a puppet. That's it. It's good. It hurts. I know it does. That's it. Get it. So that's
1: what we have for you this week on the Dungeon Master Block. We hope you really enjoyed these gods. We hope you enjoyed the mailbag. We hope you enjoyed the gymnastics. You have a lot of things to go ahead and work on this week and try out and see what works, see what you didn't like, see what sticks and what doesn't stick. And if you would like to contact us and let us know about all of the things in this episode or anything else that you want to talk to us about, You can hit us up on our email. It's dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. You can also send us uh, some iTunes reviews as well. Send us some love on iTunes. Uh, We just put out a couple weeks ago our Hired Heroes, our first episode of that. Because you guys are such an awesome audience, you got us to 105-star reviews. Keep doing those. We might have something else planned for you. We haven't talked about that yet, but keep (laughs) sending them in. Uh, We'll see if we can top our, our Hired Heroes idea. Also, you can hit us up on Stitcher and our forums at dungeonmastersblock.freeforums.net.
0: You can follow us on Twitter at dms underscore block. That's at Block. You can like our Facebook page. Go to both of those places for great Dungeon Master memes and updates on our show. We have a Patreon member shout-out for this week. This week's Patreon member is
1: tesla ranger thanks tesla Ranger. thank you so much
0: tesla ranger is a bronze dragon look out everybody thanks for your support we
1: appreciate that enjoy those bonus pods tesla ranger but we are out of time thank you everybody for tuning in this week to another edition of the dungeon masters block the place where we focus on the most important person in the game the dungeon master of course the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering all of the egos of all the other players at our tables. Keep on dungeon mastering. We hit it, we crit it, and then we forget it.
4: bye